Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Let's open up with a prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for what you are doing, Lord, for how you are moving among our midst, Father God. We thank you for every person in this place. And Lord, right now, I pray for your peace, Lord. Just come over every heart, Lord. If anybody is troubled by anything right now, Lord, I pray, Father, that your peace will just touch their hearts right now. Peace that transcends all understanding, Lord, that will guard their heart, Lord. I pray, Father God, that we would receive something from the word today, Lord. Hallelujah. This is your word, Father God, and speak to us. Lord, we are just humble, and we're hungry for you and to grow in you, Lord. And we thank you for the season that we're in in our lives, Father God, that we are kingdom-minded and servant-hearted, Lord. You've created us to be servants. You set us an example to be a servant among all, Lord. Hallelujah. We glorify your name, Jesus. Be lifted high in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So open it up to John chapter 3, verse 22 through 30. I'm going to read a couple of passages. And I'm really excited to bring this word. It's been on my heart forever. But it's one of those messages that um, might not get you to do the Holy Ghost two-step, you know, get all excited. But it's something very crucial, especially when it comes to uh, when we, uh, serving God for becoming full potential, bringing, uh, coming to our full potential in Christ. John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean country where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing at Enon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. Verse 25. An argument <laughs> developed between some John's disciples and certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said, Rabbi, that man who, sat, uh, who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one who you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. Isn't that funny what people say to you? So this is the scenario. So this is John's disciples coming to Jesus and they're like, what's going on? There's the guy that you were talking about, but now he's drawing all the crowd. Verse 27. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given to them from heaven you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. I just can't imagine. Here's John. He already knows what's happening. His disciples, you know, were clueless at that moment. <laughs> They're like, who's that guy stealing all your thunder and crowd? What's the question? Oh, no, no, it's okay. Larissa's holding it up. Is everything's good? <laughs> All right. Awesome. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss out anything and, or if there was a child locked in the car, you know. <laughs> Amen. So, and, uh, but look at this. He finishes. He must become greater. I must become less. Revelation. There's the second passage. Uh, we're going to the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 4. Verse 9 through 11. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever. We, we were singing a couple of songs about that. It's just so powerful. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns 
before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Come on, that's a powerful, powerful statement. This is John. He already sees the future. He's seen the revelations, what is happening in the throne of God. The message title today is called The Silent Killer. <laughs> and um, I think as we go on, you will understand, because we're going to talk about a very difficult subject. Preachers have been given this uh, challenging task to articulate something uh, articulate the gospel, something that is inexpressible. To talk about the kingdom of God um, is beyond our understanding. Um, to talk about God whose ways are above our ways, whose thoughts are above our thoughts. It's a difficult task uh, to articulate that to, you know, average people or to anybody really uh, about the ideas in the kingdom of God. Uh, but even Jesus, when he preached though, in order for him to do that to succeed, he used parables, Right? Use stories to express things that you cannot understand, uh, to express like the kingdom of God um, in a way where you'd be able to understand it. And it's awesome. So Jesus used parables and pastors or preachers use props. So um, I know some of people saw this today. It's in the bag. I'm going to ask who gets it right. All right, so this is my prop for today, just for a moment. Okay, you guys see this? <laughs> Does anybody know what this is? Okay, carbon monoxide. Smoke detector. I'm glad you said that. Somebody said smoke detector. Uh, smoke detector can be seen and can be uh, smelled, right? Like you can sense when there's a smoke. Um, but this is a carbon monoxide detector. Good job, Sonia. And as you can see that from distance, that's incredible vision. Um, carbon monoxide detector. Um, carbon monoxide detector is so crucial in every building, right? So if anybody builds it, every one of us has it in their house, uh, most likely, because it's up to code. You have to have a carbon monoxide detector. Uh, detector. Every building, right? So, but we can smell the smoke, we can see it, but with um, carbon monoxide, we cannot. And uh, it's dangerously lethal. Um, and this brought some statistics. Over 20,000 people per year find themselves in an emergency room due to carbon monoxide poisoning. And 400 people per year die in the U.S. because carbon monoxide exposure. Um, because it's colorless and it's odorless. Isn't that crazy? It can be in the room right now, seeping in, and we wouldn't even know it. Um, but you can die from this toxin. You know, you can eventually sit there, sit there, and eventually you start feeling sick and nauseous, and you can totally die from it. Uh, the CDC calls it the silent killer, all right? So, but today, obviously, I'm not going to talk about carbon monoxide. Um, I'm going to talk to you. There's another silent killer, and it's called pride. Ooh. I want you all to help me preach today because it's going to be tough, tough plowing when it comes to speaking about difficult subjects that impact us all. Um, if you are in this place and um, you think, you know, you got to hang, uh, uh, hang on the pride, you know how to control it, awesome. Praise the Lord. I believe that today is going to be so important. Um, I do believe carbon monoxide is like monoxide of sin. Uh, it slowly suffocates uh, the plans of God in our lives. It can destroy our lives. Uh, it can stop God doing from what he wants to do in our life. It can shut down the plans of God in our life. 
It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. It tears down families. Um, it causes people to hold on to the bitterness and refuse to forgive people. And that's, it's, that's what it is. The root is pride. Pride is the reason why some family members don't talk to each other for years. Um, pride destroys churches, leadership teams. Uh, pride kills really good companies. It's just such an international thing, and it's in everywhere. You know, it's impacting everybody. That's why, in my opinion, I believe that pride is a silent killer. Uh, and pride technically has always been a problem. One thing is pride is America's stronghold, as much as you don't want to admit it or not. But especially Alaska and Texas, right? We start talking about our state shapes, and we think our, we are our own countries. Um, but pride is so interesting. Pride is, uh, uh, Augustine said, pride is the sin beneath the sin. There could be issues in your life that on the surface, it looks like one thing, but at the root of it, at the bottom of it, is pride. I'll give you some examples, because I understand that we need to obviously bring up examples. Anxiety, all right? <laughs> so on the surface, it looks like anxiety or worry, but at the root of it is pride. And I'll explain why. Because, you know, there's some people that say, God, I specifically told you by, that by 38, I needed to be married. And he had to be six foot four inches. Um, needs to have a house in the range division, have a BMW, nothing less than the 5 Series. And literally, I, I, you'd be surprised. People pray about things like that, you know, and pretty much like, Lord God, didn't I tell you my plans? Didn't I told you what I wanted, right? So, and now you get anxious and you're upset because that didn't happen. You're 38 and you're, you're not married. Or maybe if you are, but he's 5'4", you know. Um, but... And you might not have a career, uh, not have a house that you've always desired, you know. So we get upset because our expectations were not met. And it's not anxiety, it's pride actually. Because uh, we place all these requirements on our own version of God. It's also called idolatry. Like we think that God is like, a, you know, Amazon Prime or, if, you know, just instant response system. And that we can just come up and say, Lord, come on, it's not happening. Come on, Lord, what's going on? And um, so pride is at the root of it. I'll tell you another example, indecisiveness. I struggled with that. <laughs> and um, so on the surface, it looks like indecisiveness. Somebody that's just like, cannot make a decision. Um, and in my understanding, here's how I thought. I'm like, if I take a step of faith, but what if I fail? What if I mess up? Right? What if, what will people think of me? And, like, and God is prompting me to do something, but I'm like, what if... What if I fail, right? Because I got a reputation. I got a reputation to keep. Yeah, because what if I don't want people to see me fall flat on my face? You see what I mean? So pride is at the root of that. How about pride? Um, uh, is that every, uh, uh, every root of every fight? So we think, you know, we go through different seasons in our life. And if you look deep down inside every fight that you may have, it's actually pride. Because you're bitter because you think you're better. <laughs> and uh, it happens in every relationship, every marriage. You know, you're talking with your wife or whatnot, and, and then you're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove my point. I, <laughs> I'm right. But pride, again, pride, because you know you're right, because you think you're better. And so, you know, there's some people that say, I can't believe how she would do that to me. <laughs> I would never do that to anybody. And then they, they go and they tell their friend, girl, I would have never 
Never talked about someone behind their back as they're talking behind their back. Things like that, you know. Hypocrisy, amen? <laughs> so pride is uh, the sin beneath the sin. So I want us to get that image. Uh, pride preceded the fall of men. From the beginning, it made its way up to heaven. Never just put it that way, but it did. Pride is what turned angel into the devil. Satan, who used to be called Lucifer, right? He was in charge of worship in the heavens. And, but pride, pride was found in his heart. And not only did he fall because of this, not only did he fall, but it says that two-thirds of angels fell. That's 66% of angels fell because of the pride. So pride is the sin beneath the sin, okay? I want to bring two important points. You can write these down, okay? Number one, pride is a deadbolt that will block my access into the presence of God, okay? Let me read that again. Pride is the deadbolt that will block my access into the presence of God. Number two, but humility, so obviously opposite of that is humility, is the hinge upon which heavens open up in my life. Again, so pride is the deadbolt that will block my access to the presence of God. But humility is the hinge upon which heavens open up in my life. If you want to see God move in your life, I'm ch just challenging you. Begin your day with humility. Drop on your knees from the morning and say, God, I can't do this life without you. Lord, I cannot run this company without you. Lord, I cannot raise these kids without you. Lord, and in the times that we're living in, the information that they're being bombarded with, this distortion, and they're kind of trying to infiltrate the school systems and uh, try to put something down their throat that is so ungodly, you know. And you need God. And you need to start by humility and saying, Lord, I need you in my life. There are some people that say, oh, I know how to raise my kids. My kids will never do that. <laughs> be, very be very careful when you say that. But when you say, God, I need you in my life. You're not an addition to my life. You are my life. This is the way we start our day, church. This is the way we grow in him. Amen. And this is what gets God's attention. Humility. God is attracted to the fragrance of humility. It is so powerful. Where are you at, James chapter 4? Check this out. Chapter 4, uh, James Verse 6 through 8. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. But what? But gives grace to the humble. And I like that. And then verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, your sinners, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So wait a minute, I got to resist the devil in order for him to flee, right? <laughs> but I have a pride, God will resist me. So I wonder what the devil is going to use to attack me with. You got it, pride, pride. So pride is this silent killer. It sneaks up on people without people even realizing. It happens to anybody. And no one is prone or protected Everybody's prone to pride. Nobody's protected from being caught in the sense of pride. I want to ask you some uh, questions right now. Let's get an interaction. Let's just see how honest we are, right? Um, how, many, how many would you say you're super prideful? Okay. See some hands, okay? We need, uh, I'll give you a few more seconds. Any, any prideful people in this place? Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't raise your hand, I'm a little worried for you, to be honest. <laughs> The problem with pride 
is that it hides. Did you catch that? It, <laughs> the people that struggle with pride the most are the last one usually to admit it. Um, because pride stops them from seeing that they have it, right? Um, best explanation is pride is like bad breath. Generally, you're the last person to find out that you have it. So maybe that will help you stick that thought in your head. <laughs> you're the last one to notice that you have it, but it affects everybody around you. Man, and I'm thankful to people that come up to me. I don't know if you know this, but I have these little refreshers here because when you talk a lot and you don't drink enough water and then you come out to pray for people. Oh. <laughs> I'm so glad some people were honest with me about it. Seriously. Nobody did it, but one good friend did. So in fact, you should uh, get some breath mints or something. Man. Okay, question number two. How many of you would say are very humble? Super humble. Any humble people in this place? Okay. Come on, guys. Any, any humble people here? No? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, maybe you want to write your book on humility. I'm the epitome of humility.com. Um, so what does humility look like, right? Pride hides and humility is hidden. How do you know which one is which, Right? So this is the challenge I have for us. I really want us to get really deep into the thought of pride. And by God's grace, we will understand it. By the way, some things that may look like humility actually represent uh, pride in disguise. Uh, you'll run into some of those people. <laughs> um, and sometimes what may look like pride on the outside um, and possibly even arrogance is actually humility and confidence in God. It really is. And I'll talk about it. Let me talk a little bit about godly confidence. Um, it's something that when you know that God can do something through you, okay? Uh, godly confidence does sometimes appear by certain people like arrogance. And I'll use an example, obviously. Because people are like, give me some scripture, Vic. I'll give you some scripture. Remember when uh, David was, you know, God, um, David's dad, Jesse, sent uh, David to bring some, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches to his brothers at the battlefield, right? And so, and he gets there, his first encounter, and he, he hears, you know, Goliath make fun of God, uh, God's people, or God, God's army, really, if you think about it, right? And he says, hey, hold up, y'all. Why are y'all letting him talk like that? That ain't right. So David, this is my Vic's version explanation. You obviously can understand that. Um, and, they, and David's like, that's not right. Something inside rose up within him. And he's like, that ain't going to fly with me. He's defying the army of God, right? But even his brothers accused him of pride. Check this out. First Samuel, uh, verse 17, uh, I mean, chapter 17, verse 28. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? Even the way he presents that statement, just, he's just putting him down. What about those few sheep? You know, like, that was not few. It was a lot of sheep, okay? Aren't you supposed to be taken care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. <laughs> it was like, I, you got the second part right. I want to see the battle. But here he is. His brothers are even accusing him. And then further on, as you read, it says, and other brothers thought the same way. Or other people around him that heard that, they're like, yeah, who's this kid? So... I'm talking about godly confidence right now. Uh, but David didn't have pride. It's confidence in God. 
knowing that it's not me, but it's God who can do something through me. Amen. And look at this later on in verse 36 through 37. He says, so here he is talking before Saul. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear and is in this uncircumcised Philistine. He's, He's starting to just, you know, give it to him straight. He's like, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Oh, man, godly confidence. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I mean, there's something within you. I mean, that rose up. That is godly confidence. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of Philistine. Again, this is all about him, right? He's not talking about that I will do it. He's always saying, it's God through me, right? So godly confidence is not pride. Check this out. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. His power at work within us. Amen? And I'm like, that just gets me excited and say, Lord, I want to worship you. I know that you can do the impossible, Lord. And I'm just your servant. But here I am standing before you. But there was another moment in David's life. Goliath was long gone, right? And now he's the king. Now he's in the palace. He's having a good time, you know, counting his Instagram followers. Apologize. He's counting his military. You know, just, you can imagine. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, that guy here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But they can't be pride, right? He's counting his military men. If you think about it, I, I thought I'm like, Lord, Lord, that's good stewardship. You should pay attention to how much armies I have, right? How much soldiers I got. But not in the eyes of God. No, it wasn't. Guess what? 70,000 men died that day because David got prideful. I mean... That was an alert wake-up call for him in that moment. I never just, I, I just read through it. I never just pondered and stopped. And I was like, wow, God really made a statement for David. How many people can die because of your pride? Because God can see what no one else can see. David, you forgot when you were just a shepherd boy. When all you had was just stones and a slingshot. Well, now you have an army. You're in the palace, right? David, you lost your humility. So this is difficult because pride sneaks up to every person, right? I wish, I wish this was a, there was a pride detector. Just sit up. Oh, checking my heart, Lord, checking my heart. Guilty, Lord. <laughs> It will stop in a second. Um, there it is, the last one. So some of us have Im- an image of pride. It will stop. <laughs> it's perfect. Didn't plan that one. That wasn't planned, but man, that was perfect. Um, man, that's what happens, you know. I'm, I open up before the church, and it's just the Lord just exposes me right there. And some of us... Uh, but some of us have an image of pride, right? We, we think of a person that wears sunglasses indoors. Yeah. Oh, they think they're all that, right? Uh, think that, uh, you know. 
the thing is, though, we think that uh, pride only comes uh, from in the form of superiority, like you're superior to others. Ugh. I got the upper hand, right? But there's another version of pride, and it comes in the form of inferiority. Yeah. I have to use these fancy words, guys, yeah. but it's, it's true. Um, and uh, people that say, oh, no one cares about me. No one ever, no one ever calls me. No one even, like says hello to me like no one even checks up on me nobody even sends me a text message and you know people like oh no 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 you know and it's all like me 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 right it's inferiority but it's still pride because all pride cares about is that you are the center of your world that's true man pride's hard to notice but by god's grace i'm going to give you some pride detectors all right <laughs> Humility and pride, I believe, and this is so profound, I believe manifest themselves in how we respond to the situations in our lives. Okay? Uh, humility and pride, they manifest themselves in how we respond to the situations in our lives. Whether it's like something tragic happens or something where like somebody gives you a bonus and you're like, yeah, you know, things like that. It could be anything. Because remember, humility which stays hidden, and pride, which tries to hide, all right? So you want to test yourself whether you have humility or pride? Here are some tests. Um, I, I think it, it definitely helped me. Number one, how do you respond to criticism? We got one honest person here. Thank you. You said you're speaking out loud. Appreciate you. How do you respect to, uh, respond to criticism? Like, what's your initial response when somebody criticizes you? Do you immediately deflect and say, here goes another hater? Right? Or are you deflated when, you, or when someone criticizes you and gives you some pointers? Now, like, your whole year is ruined because your boss criticized you for two minutes. You know? And he's a boss. He's a lot to tell you, right? But that's the inferiority version, Right? But humble people are able to laugh at themselves and get something good out of every situation. Like somebody says, hey, you know, I'm not going to use myself because I got to stay humble. Your breath stinks. <laughs> and, they'll, and, you know, and they'll say, they'll, instead of responding like, oh, they'll say, oh, thank you. Thank you. I guess I'm going to throw my organic toothpaste in the trash. Appreciate it. Thank you for the point. I really appreciate it. And the thing is, humble people grow because they are open to feedback. They really are. They don't deflect and they don't get deflated. Here's another one. How do you respond to rejection? Here's another test. It's a good test. How do you respond to rejection? We all hate being rejected, especially by the stuck-up people, right? Oh, like look at them stuck-up people. Like they just look like they floated into the room. They ain't going to speak to me. I'm not going to speak to them. And we get this like, you ain't better than me. In fact, I'm better than you. You, you see the hypocrisy, right? <laughs> so you end up being stuck up to stuck up people. You really, you start realizing like, well, I'm just doing the same thing, right? The thing is, prideful people reject people that rejected them. You know, it's, it circulates. It's very dangerous, right? Humble people, though, they will talk to anybody, even to stuck up people. They say, hey, how you doing? I guess you didn't see me since uh, you didn't speak to me. Yeah, and then you say, I like those sunglasses that you're wearing inside. <laughs> Are those Ray-Bans? They're just like, they can handle anything. 
I love, Pastor Mark is one of the greatest examples to me in humility. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's not afraid to talk to anybody. Some people are like, oh, Mark, Pastor Mark, let's go this way. Like, no, 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 I want to say hi to them. <laughs> Pastor Mark, if you're watching online, I love you, miss you, praying for you. <laughs> How about this? Another good test. How do you respond to advice? You know, people are funny, <laughs> especially church people. Uh, they will go around asking for advice, but they don't really want advice. They just want you to confirm what you already want to do, right? Yeah. They just want to confirm what they already have, something in their mind. And um, they just want to hear their opinion in somebody else's voice. It really is. That's what it comes, right? Uh, but the minute you give them, you know, some advice, which is contradictory to what they believe in, they get defensive. You ain't going to tell me who I'm going to date. <laughs> You're like, man, look at his name. His first name is Freddy. Last name is Kruger. <laughs> Like, yeah, be careful, you know. Um, and you tell them, like, well, why'd you ask me for the advice? That's true. People get offended. So people, we tend, we tend to like to get an answer that we already made up in our own mind. So how do you take advice? That's a good test. Here's the last one. How do you, how do you respond to praise? How do you respond to praise? Man, that's the easiest one. <laughs> um, at least for me. Confession time. I don't like... How much I like to be liked. I don't like how much I like to be liked. You know, I, how much I love approval. I, I'm, I'm telling you, um, I have to regularly remind myself, Vic, I have nothing to prove and nothing to lose. Until this moment, every day, every, every day in my life. Because um, if I'm not careful... I get on the stage and I try to be funny, you know, try to use big words that I use today. You know, oh, I'm, I'm smart. I have to be on guard. You know, even when I, even when I pronounce the word correctly, I'm a foreigner, right? <laughs> if, even if I pronounce my word correctly, because pride sneaks up. I'll be like, honey, today I'm preaching. When I was preaching, remember, I, I said the word indecisiveness properly. I had struggled with that for the longest time. And when I did that early, when I said people indecisive, I was just like, oh, Lord, I'm getting good at this English. <laughs> Is that, see what I mean? Yeah. Pride. It sneaks up, guys. I really mean that. Um, psychologists, they're researching this inten uh, you know, intensely because social media and, and the effects and what it does to our brain, uh, the unhealthy need to be noticed by people. A few weeks ago, I talked about it, right? Uh, need to get validation from other people. Uh, not in a healthy way, like from church or community or brothers and sisters in Christ. No, I mean, like, they're talking about, they're doing these studies. We need likes from strangers. Like, ooh, I see this new person like my post, whatever it may be. Now, you may not be impacted by that, but, I mean, I'm just telling you, we're in the age of technology, and we're leading there, and everything is becoming superficial. A lot of the likes and things that we get, they're not actually not real likes and love. Do you see what I mean? And we need to be on guard, because Satan is going to infiltrate every area, every area. Some people, you know, how they react when they get a notification, right? Like, ugh. Like they, I'll give you a test. Well, I'll throw it out there. Post a nice picture of you or maybe you're in your family and don't check it for a week. Just, just, just don't look at it. Just see what happens. Are you able to do that, right? I've talked to a person not long ago and, you know, they're like, <laughs> I'm talking to them. I'm sitting with them and they're like, 
check your notification. They keep sliding up, you know, because you refresh the page, you refresh the page. I'm like, <laughs> and like, they're almost like twitching, like, oh, see what they said about me here. But like my, I can't believe this guy didn't like it. I can't believe this. Oh, man, I like all of her photos, but she don't like any of mine. You see what I mean? We're living in that time, guys, and I'm telling you, it's, you know, but the thrill that people get from, like, the likes and they, this research, they're studying about it. They say the dopamine level is incredible. And it's not as close as cocaine, but it is close. Like, it seems like it's just that, to that extreme, they're saying. Um, so, again, let me reflect. How do you respond? How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond to rejection? How do you respond to advice, remember, notice I'm using the word respond. Last time I shared, I talked about response versus re reaction, right? We were, like Jesus, he was always responding. He was not reacting. So how do we respond to criticism? How do we respond to rejection? Advice and praise, right? How do you respond? I just wanted us to remember that. You can look at the orange letters. How do you respond? I'll just say it once. Maybe as a pastor, Lord, forgive me. How do you respond? This will help you to identify it. How do you respond to the crap of life? That's a good test whether you're, you're, you're humble or you're struggling with pride. You know, that, that's all it is anyways. How do you respond to the garbage of life? Isn't that what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3? Check this out. Philippians 3 verse 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, right? He's how do we read this passage by the way for the longest time whenever we read that passage i forget what's in the past we're nowadays people read it like about after covid after, like this is for 2020 get the past you know move on to the future but you got to read the full context and i love um i thought of richard and roxanne when she said man she like you got to read it in the full context and i love that about the heart we always read the full uh, chapter in the context always right but if you actually look through that earlier in the chapter Paul starts flexing. Like, Paul starts, like, uh, naming all his accolades. Like, oh, he's saying, oh, you want to see me flex in the flesh? Kind of like, he literally, Philippians chapter 3, verse 4 through 6. Look at this. He says, though I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh also. This is Paul. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. <laughs> Ooh, Paul is so real. I love that. Circumcised on the eighth day, here's the molesting, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Like this guy is listing all of his accolades, right? I'm like, but then, but then he says, verse says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I counted everything as lost. ESV says, I counted all as garbage. Because of the 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and, found, and to be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from all this cockiness, all your achievements, right? But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Ooh, amen. Verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul's saying, I'm treating everything in the past, all my achievements, as garbage. It really is. You got to forget your wins. You got to forget all your successes, right? All your record-breaking months, whatever it may be. Because those are the things that will produce pride, which will stop me from receiving what God has for me. Because we say, ha, I did it. <laughs> it was me. Right? I have to be even careful when somebody says, oh, you have such beautiful children. I say, yeah, me and Larissa made them. You know, <laughs> it can get to you. My children are very beautiful. That's right. No, I'm very thankful for that. I, God's grace. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but I got to forget. Paul's saying, I got to forget about my wins. Look at this. When, when we read earlier in the beginning, right, in John chapter 3, verse 22 through 30, John is saying, I got to forget about my accomplishments and direct all that attention to Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the real deal. I'm just a way maker up to that point, right? Yeah, I, just, I just made the... Prepare the way for the Lord. That's what I did. And I love how John responds. He doesn't go like, oh, really? I got a better check on this guy. No, this guy was walking with the Lord. When you're walking with the Lord, you have that peace. You'll know that somebody says something, you're like, I'm not, I'm not going to be deflated by that. God is at work. Amen? But he says, that joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Amen. Again, to reflect, to remind you. Humility is the hinge upon which heavens open up. Pride is what blocks the, blocks the axis, the presence of God in our life. And I'm, saying, I'm telling you, don't get caught up in this garbage of life, you know, being intoxicated by the approval of others. You know, the thing is with approval of others, if they give it to you, they can easily take it away. Why trust that? You know, it's so, it's so temporary. Like it can be conditional. While you're buying them lunches, <laughs> they're your friends. Otherwise, when we get caught up in this comparison trap, right? Otherwise, we miss out on the greatest treasure, which Paul says is to know God. To know God, right? Yeah. I'm landing the plane here. The last thing I want to bring up is uh, one more passage. But the, in Roman times, uh, emperors, after their certain achievements and whatnot, they would they have like parades like of the emperors. Like, yeah. And... There was a, a servant always next to the emperor. And not only did he held the crown because he, they didn't walk around with the crown all the time. Probably wasn't comfortable. Couldn't handle all this pride for too long. <laughs> but they literally had to have a guy, a servant, standing next to him and holding the crown. But that wasn't the only thing that he did. He would whisper, and I'm going to try to read this, Memore sumus vestri immortale. Okay. Shorter version, you guys may have heard. It says, Memento Mori. You guys heard that? Like, Memento Mori. Um, 
which means remember that you are mortal, right? And he would whisper regularly. This servant would stand next to the emperor, and he would whisper that to them. Momento mori. Remember, you're a human, right? Don't let this praise or this crowd or the applause get to your head in any situation, whether it's at work, it's your friends, you know, whether you feel inferior or superior, whatever it may be. And I believe we're not, we are not created to receive glory. I'm telling you, we cannot handle the weight of God's glory. If we were standing before God in his glory, we'd not be able to live, Right? Glory will crush us. And just like with, with compliments and things like that, it will crush us. But we were created to reflect God's glory, right? It's like this mirror. You're walking around. And people see that. That is the greatest testimony you have. You're reflecting the glory of God. This is my last passage. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Man, I've read this so many times, but this time around... And revealed in such a new way. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. So I'm going to continue in a second with that passage. But John sees these 24 elders, right, for those that are seeing what that means, that's the church of the living God, 12 tribes of the Old Testament and 12 disciples of the New Testament. That's the 24 elders, right? Um, and all these elders, they have a crown, crown that they've obtained for their just being persecuted, for loving the Lord, for just faithfully pursuing to the end, right? And yet, and yet, but this is the most powerful image. Check this out, verse 10. They cast their crowns before the throne. They deserve it. But even in the heavens, they lay it down. I don't know why I never saw it from that way. And hear what they say. Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they existed and they were created. That's one thing. The worship continues. It's not just for here. Worship continues in heaven, Amen. church. And God is preparing our hearts. And as we're in this season, we're serving other people. God wants us to have a pure heart before him. And the most lethal thing that can happen, and it can sneak up to absolutely everyone, a, a pastor, a preacher, a businessman, anybody, a husband or a wife, child, pride. But here... What I love is that these crowns, I, I want to encourage you to say that God sees every unfair treatment that you received. He saw that you were, unf somebody hurt you, somebody hurt your heart, somebody offended you. He's a good record keeper. He knows it all. And there's a crown waiting for us, okay? Amen. He will reward you for blessing the enemies, for blessing the ones that persecuted you, the ones that made fun of you, whatever me, he will, he will remember. God remembers. Book of life. I love that. The greatest reward is not recognition. It's not what we obtain here, guys. It's not how much we are known, not how much wealth we have. 
I thought of this economic crash that we've had in 2008, I believe, right? So many high-end people official in, in New York and stock market exchange and everything. Such fancy people lost everything just like that. Became regular folk just like any of all of us. Because it can be taken away at any, any moment. But where are we storing our treasures? What is most powerful to us in our life? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.